I know that uh, God has a word that he wants to speak to you this morning. And we're going to talk about uh, the, li- the life and God's rewards. How many of you believe that God wants to reward you? But it's the life God rewards. It's this. It's, God has a life and a lifestyle that he loves to reward. And see, I believe this. And I'm going to tell you what the answer is right now. It's a giving life. That's what it is. So let's pray. Father, this morning, we need your word to speak to us over the different voices in our lives that we hear. God, we all hear different voices. We hear things that distract us, uh, concern us, bring us down, weigh us down. And so, Father, tonight, this morning, I pray that you would just come and you would speak against those different voices and your word would become alive. Lord, we thank you that your word is alive, it's active, it's like a double-edged sword, it pierces, it cuts away the lies that the enemy and the world brings. And Father, we pray we're not living by what our culture says, but we're going to live by the conviction of your Holy Spirit. And we pray as the gospel is preached this morning, that we'd receive all that you have for us as individuals, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, and you believe, if you agree with that prayer, you just say, I agree. So we're going to wrap up, James, the next couple of weeks. But one of the things that I'll talk about, I want to talk about the, the life that God rewards. And before I get into James chapter 5, I just feel like I have to tell you a story. There's a guy, there was a, an, an older guy, and, and he's this wealthy man, and he... Uh, He's getting older, and, and he, he, he's kind of getting a little more selfish with his money as he gets older and stuff, and he becomes stingy. And by the way, uh, I don't know what it is, but if you're a little warm this morning, we're probably having a problem with the air conditioners. I'm, I'm going to try to preach hell hot a little bit, but okay. But, we didn't, we, but anyway, the bottom line is we're working on it, okay? And it will be fixed for next Sunday. But anyway... And, and he's, he's getting older, and he goes to the doctor, and his wife's going to be, you're becoming a little stingy. And he goes to the doctor, and he goes to get a checkup, and he finds out that he has this incurable disease, and that he only has just a little bit longer to live. And he comes back home, and he tells his wife, he gets his family around, and tells everybody, he says, you know, I, I, you know what, uh, I went to the doctor, and he says, I only have a few, I only have a, a little bit of time left to live. And he said, I, I, I just want to sit down. He calls his wife aside, and he says, you know, I, I don't know how long I have, but I just, I've made a decision. So when I die, I want to take all my wealth with me. I want you to bury me with all that I possess. And she's like, well, baby, baby, what about, what about me, the kids, the church, the charities that we give to? What about all that? He goes, I don't care. When I die, I want everything buried with me. She's like, okay. So months go by, and he actually dies. And when he dies, you know, they're all at the procession, and, the, and all the kids and everything, they're all sitting there, and she's got this, she's sitting there, and they give, you know, talk about his life and everything, and, Right at the end, before they close the casket, she has this box she's been holding in her lap over her Bible the whole time. And she comes and she puts it into the casket where his hands are. And they close the casket and they, they bury him. And her friend comes up. She goes, excuse me, but what was in the box? She goes, all of his wealth. She goes, Honey. You couldn't have fit all his wealth in that box. 
And Beverly says, oh, I did. She goes, how did you do that? What was in the box? She goes, a check. <laughs> she goes, a check. Come on, how many of you know a woman's going to have the last word in it? Come on, she looked at her friend, let's go shopping, you know what I mean, at the end of the funeral. She goes, it's a check. She goes, yeah, but what happens? If it's good in heaven, he can cash it in. But right now, we're going to use it. (laughs) See, James shows us how our resources go on and on and on. And I want you to look at it with me in James chapter 5, verse 1 through 6. And it just says this, look here, you rich people, weep and groan with anguish because of all the trouble, the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your silver and gold are corroded. Your, they, the, the very wealth you are counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. Not soft words, you know, coming, it's coming right at you. That's what I love about James. We go through, James comes right at you. And it just is the corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the judgment day. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers who have, 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 you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who uh, harvest your friends have reached the ears of the Lord, the heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earthly luxury, satisfying every desire. You have fattened yourselves for, for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. And here's, he's dealing with the church, and this is what he's doing. He's dealing with selfishness. He's dealing with nearsightedness. And, and he's relating to it in our, through our resources, our treasures, our blessings, and the stuff we have. See, when you dive into these verses, it's, it's, it's like you're tempted to think, well, this doesn't apply to me. This scripture don't apply to me. I'm broke. Amen. <laughs> Hold on now. I'm turning the ship this morning. He went, it don't apply to me. I'm just, I'm dead broke. I'm busted. You got, you know, I mean, I, Pastor Bubba, I'm just going to check out on this message and start counting the light bulbs in the sanctuary because it really doesn't apply to me. But, uh, you know, but I just want to tell you, hang on. It's for you. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? You, you know, when you compare the rest of the world, the rest of the world, do you know that three-fourths of the world live on less than $300 a year? You're rich. I've been to Haiti where they're washing clothes in ditches, sewage ditches, and they're hanging it up to dry. I've been to Africa where there's kids. I remember being in Honduras. There was a little boy sleeping at the church door on the streets, living there, hungry. I've seen what poor is when you go to Africa and they're living in little little tin shacks and five and six-year-olds are babysitting the babies. Because mama's got to go to work. I don't say this to condemn you or make you feel guilty this morning. That's not why I'm saying this. I say it to help you to gain perspective that you're truly rich in relationship with the rest of the world. Maybe you've never said this in your life, but look at you and they say, I'm rich. And look at the one that you didn't want to confess to. You just say, you're rich too. 
rich, we're wealthy, we're prosperous, and we should help you. We should it should help you realize how good God is to our country and to the people that live here. James is saying to us that a that a giving life is a life that He wants to reward. And see, here it is. He gives us. He gives us some attitudes with what we need to be looked at today. And that's what we're going to look at. Some attitudes that we need to have. The attitudes that God wants to bless. You see, he's not condemning wealth. He's warning us that it's a great responsibility. Just like Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility. That's what his uncle told him if you watch the Spider-Man movies. And it's true. With great responsibility. With truth. You know what? Most Christians... Most people that come to church, you know what? They hear the word. You can, look, you can turn on the TV and everything else. And you've heard me say it before, and I'll say it this morning. We got a lot of, we got a lot of Christians that are just bloated up with the word. But don't do, go out and use it and apply it to their, their everyday life. Come on. We got a lot of constipated Christians, and I'll say it. And something needs to pass out of you. And listen, the mission field that God's called you to is not here in the church. It's outside the church. You see, James is saying, you know what? James is saying for us to have a giving life that God wants to reward. He gives us some attitudes to look at. And so he's not condemning wealth. He's warning us. It's never about the amount. It's about having the right attitude and the perspective or seeing it the way God sees it. Amen? And so today, I want to do, it's never about the amount. It's about having the right attitude and the perspective so you don't abuse what God has given you. Does that make sense? And so what he's saying, the Bible never condemns the accumulation of wealth. It deals with the attitude that goes with it. You see, be careful to, uh, to not take on the words in the view of worth. See, sometimes people look at people and they look at the value and the importance of someone because of what they have. See, God's view of people is much different than our view of people. You believe that? Listen, there are people that are on vacation right now in our church. Okay, there's a lot of people missing this morning. But let me just tell you this. God's not on vacation. God's here this morning, and he wants to speak to us. And what I want to do is I want to give you a word that's relevant. We're going to preach the gospel here at our Savior's church. We're not going to preach some little, little uh, you know, leftover meal. Our desire for you to come to church is that we are pastors. We're praying behind the scenes. We're believing God wants to speak to you, and we want to serve a hot meal to the people of God. Amen? It's like when you go to the buffet line or the, the, the buffet line. Because a lot of people more in the buffet, buffet in their body than their spirit. And I'll just leave it at that. They, we want you to come and go, man, this is hot. This is fresh. If it's not fresh, it's not worth it. And see, what he's saying, he's talking. He says, be careful not to take the words. And be careful. The Bible's clear that we're to be stewards. We're to be smart. We're to invest. We're to make plans. We're to accumulate for the right reasons. We're stewards. But we have to be wise. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about attitudes of a giving life. Can I just talk to you about that? The first attitude I want you to have is this. Don't hoard it greedily, but steward it wisely. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Who has ever watched those TV shows, Hoarders? Come on, raise your hand. I mean, just, I mean when I watch that, can I just make a confession? When I watch that, first I'm doing this. <laughs> 
And then I want to go take, I want to go take a shower with Ajax or Mr. Clean. Seriously. You know what I'm talking about? It's just, it's sick. It's gross. And then I think about who, you know, and, and it's like, uh, you know, hoarding is a crazy thing. It's actually now, it's called, a, it's, it's actually now they've classed it as a medical disorder. But when I look at it, when you look at the Bible, have you, you know, it affects, the effects of hoarding is this. And here's, it's small, it can be small or big. The effects are, the first, one of the effects are, is depression. Anxiety. Separation. And here's the one that really is a clincher. And isolation. How true is that? See, we all know that stingy people are lonely people. Amen? When we get stingy, we isolate from others. And that's what James is saying. He said, don't be isolated. The second thing, here's another attitude that we need to talk about. Here's another one. Number two, don't handle it. Don't handle it deceitfully, but distribute it. Distribute it honestly. Whatever God. James deals with with deceit. He's talking about employee, employer, the business owner, the foreman, the supervisor, the one in charge. Make sure you're honest about distributing and not holding back. He's saying this. Not mistreat people with our finances or our resources. He said don't mistreat people with that. Bless them. Be careful how you treat others in the blessings that God has given you for your life. You see, James is teaching that. And the next one, and I, I love this. He said, the third one is don't spend it selfishly, but share it generously. What do you mean? We can spend our lives. In, this is why you can live your life. Look at me. Spend, 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 spend. How many of you know people like that? Spend, 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 spend. Oh, spend, spend. Oh, you got a check? Yeah, where's your money? I spent it yesterday. How much you got left? Nothing. Spend it all. You know, all we can live our life where God rewards is we share, 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 share. We can spend it or we can share it. God blesses the life that shares its resource. I love this word. Look with me in Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. How often do we judge, rank, approve people on their possessions? If they have more, they must be more important. Hello? We attach possessions to their identity. Jesus is saying be careful not to put people's possessions and identity into that boat, into that car, and women, I haven't forgot about you, in that collection of shoes. I'm coming for you this morning, women. There's nothing wrong with having possessions. Are you hearing me? It becomes a problem when our possession has us. That's what James is saying. That is the big challenge. That isn't the life that God rewards. Hort, hort, hort. Dishonesty. Spend it. Here's the other verse, which I believe describes, the second part of it describes our church and people that are in our church. I believe this with all my heart. Proverbs 11, 24, 25. It says, give freely 
and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. This is what I like. The generous will what? Will prosper. Those who refresh others will, will themselves be refreshed. It's all about others, 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 others. Reaching people, building lives. Others. It's about kids reaching out to others. It's about going and doing outreaches, others. I mean, think about it. We're, going, we're, we're starting other churches in other cities. It's about others. And I love the sacrifice that many people have given because it's all about others. That this church, this campus, and our Eunice campus is right now is we're doing, we know about our REACH project, and I'm not here to preach about that, but we're contributing to start another church. You know, when you tell people, that just blows their mind. I don't know where the money stands, but how much have they, they raised so far, Pastor Josh? $60,000. Come on, give God glory. That's y'all. That's awesome. That's generous. That's y'all. There's a freedom that occurs when we let go of our possessions in God's circulation. You know, I remember, I remember different times that God's talked to me about different things about giving. And I remember one of my first things, I used to work offshore. And when I worked offshore, I remember when I first got saved, you know, God was dealing with me about giving. And I remember at different times, I remember before I knew the Lord, I was kind of a giver. I'd go out to bars and go out places and, and I was doing well. And what happened is I would come back in and I always had a good amount of money on my money clip. And I remember, I remember how generous I was the night before when I got a little loosed up. Then I'd count my money clip. I was, man, I was generous last night. I didn't know how. I was just, hey, yeah, oh, for them and for you too. Everybody wanted to be my friend. And then God starts speaking to me about the kingdom when I got saved. And I remember when I got saved, right before I went to Bible college, I sold everything or I gave it away. I mostly gave things away. I just said, so. See, I have one friend, he, was, he, he would make $400 a week working at his daddy's surf shop. And he would get cash money, get paid cash money, $400 when you're 19. I mean, that's a lot of money. And he'd buy whatever he wanted. And then he started, and the Lord started dealing with it. A missionary came and he just got saved and his pastor come. He said, you know, I see you spending on everybody else and doing things for, for yourself. And you're not spending on, but you're all about you. I'm just praying. I want you to pray and say, God, what can you do through me? And he said, a lady from Africa. Uh, from China had come to their church, and she was sharing about, you know, that if you get a Bible, we can, sell, we can produce a Bible for $10, and that will help a family have a Bible, family Bible in China. So he's thinking, he's thinking, you know, he's about to do, he's all, you know, he was fighting between helping them with one Bible or two Bibles. You know what I'm talking about? He said, but the Lord all of a sudden started speaking to him. He said, before he knew it, he had already put his $400 in the offering basket. And before he could even think about it. And then he, he's, he's like looking at, he said his money looked at him and go, and I remember he, he, go, he, he goes, his money turned around and goes, bye, we're going to China. We're buying Bibles for people in China. When you put in the reach, you know what that's going to have. See y'all later. We're going to Crowley. We're going to get some people saved. We're going to get some people touched. Filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in power. We're going to be different. We're going to change the city. 
How you know money mostly speaks, but it usually says goodbye, right? It's where you invest it, what ground you put it in. See, the thing I love, there's a freedom that occurs when we just let go of our resources into God's circulation. God was helping sometimes me realize my stuff was not about me, myself, and I. It's about his kingdom. And see, when I look at this, let's look at this in James. And see, it continues to talk to us. James is continuing to talk to us in verse 7 through 12. And, 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 and he's talking. He says, get ready. Jesus is coming soon. Be a steward. And he says, live open. That's what he's talking about in these next verses. I want to read it. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. How many of you want the Lord to return? How many of you want this side wants the Lord to return? I'm going to pray for this side. I don't know about y'all. Okay. But this side, okay. The Lord's return, we went, but the God says this, be patient. How many of you love patience? Okay, all right, I'm glad y'all being honest. I can't say, I mean, I, anyway, I'm not going to go. Be patient. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the, the valuable harvest to ripen. And he goes, you too, be patient. Whew. Take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about it, uh, each other. Brothers and sisters, you will be judged. You, for look, the judge is standing at the door. I love that. The judge is standing at the door. For example, for examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We, get, we give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know... About Job, a man of great endurance, you can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. But here's a but. You know what I tell about buts in the Bible. There's good buts and there's bad buts. It's where your butt is in that butt. But most of all, but most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no. So that you will not sin and be condemned. James gives us truth in the light of God's return. We have to have the right attitude. Okay? Not only that, but we also have to live with the right actions. It's not just attitude. We have to have the right actions in our attitude. Hello, are you hearing me? And see, James is, James is telling us first how to have the attitude of a giving life. And then he has to tell us how to have the right actions to have a giving life. And so there's four things that jump at me when I look at this. First, we talked about the attitudes. But now I want to talk to you about the actions to the attitudes that God's telling us that we need to have. Amen? It's, it's, it's like this. It's like a car. It's all show and it's no go. If you press the pedal and it can look good on the outside, but if it ain't got power under the hood, it ain't going fast. There's a lot of Christians. Let me just say, look at me. I'm going to give you a word this morning. You can remember it. It's easy. If you're not contending, you're pretending. If you're not contending, if you're not having the right attitude and living with the right actions, you're pretending. I know a lot of people that pretend. I heard something this week. Someone was sharing. It was good. But I thought about it. Why are they saying that? That's not the way the body of Christ is supposed to be. See, let me tell you, if you've got someone lost in your family, you should be contending. That contending means fighting. You're praying, oh God, 
Touch them. Reach them. I don't care what it takes, God. Do what you have to do. Reach them. Change their heart. Change their mind. Put people in their life that disturb them. Give them situations where it scares the living H-E double hockey sticks out of them, God. Do whatever you have to do. Reach them. How many pray prayers like that? Or you didn't know how to pray, and you just said, God, this morning I'm coming to you. I don't know how to pray, but the one thing I'm praying, help! Help my son! Help my daughter! Help my husband! My son, my husband's an idiot, but help him anyway, God! I've been reading your notes, ladies, so I'm just, anyway. No, I'm teasing. It's fighting for something that you believe. Listen, this church, Pastor Josh, Pastor Zach, Pastor Jamie and myself, and many of the leaders, we've had to fight and pray and believe and believe and trust and fight and pray and believe and fight and pray. Some of you here today because someone was fighting behind the scenes. The Bible says, don't be conformed to the images of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is good and acceptable and is reasonable. In other words, don't, listen, I don't live by culture. I live by conviction. The conviction of the Holy Spirit. And see, let me tell you something. I just want to say this real quick, and I'm going to leave it alone and go back to preaching. There's a lot of churches in America that have divorced the Holy Spirit. There's a silent divorce like living in a home and you have, parent, you have a couple that live with each other but they don't talk to each other. There's churches all across America that don't invite the presence of the living God to come, to visit, to touch, to minister. Look at me. I'll make a commitment to you. I'll make it, I'm going to make it every week. We're here at this church and we're going to preach the gospel. It's not about a show because we're going to contend and we don't plan on pretending. We don't want to pretend around here. We don't want to pray religion. I hate religion. In fact, I remember growing up in in church and I love what Pastor Josh said. He goes, I never did drugs, but I did. My grandmother drugged me into the church. (laughs) And it's true. You don't have to do Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make people that are spiritually dead alive. It's like yesterday I was washing my truck, and I'm coming back to the message. I promise. You know me. I like to, I'm not chasing this fox far. And this lady, she's coming. She's a white lady, just a little bit overweight. And she's coming up to me, and I'm washing, drying my truck off and vacuuming. And I was vacuuming. I was just about to close the door, and she comes to me. Hey, excuse me, sir. Could you give me a ride? And I looked at her, and I said, ma'am. I would love to, but I'm a happily married man. And I made a commitment years ago. I'd never pick up women. Then she goes to the next person. There's just two of us left in the vacuum thing. And she comes in the next girl. She goes, hey. And the girl looks at it. She goes, no, I'm giving it away. And I've been praying and studying about serving and giving. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, all right. I said, all right, I'll take where you need to go. She goes, superfoods, get in the back of my truck. I'm not kidding you. I called my wife. Am I lying? I called my wife. Hey, baby, I'm just letting you know I picked up a woman. 
I swear to God. But she's in the back of my truck, in the bed of my truck. Hey, she got to her point. And then she's about to get out. I said, I'll open the tailgate for you. Come on out. <laughs> then I looked at her and I said, hey, I didn't tell her as a preacher. I didn't say anything. I said, look, let me tell you something. God loves you. And you know what? The lifestyle that you're living, I don't know you from Adam. But I, I just say this. The lifestyle and the people you're hanging with sure don't look like they're bringing much life and satisfaction in your life. And she goes, ooh, you can say that again. And I told her, I said, look, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make people that, that are spiritually dead alive. And she just looks at me. She goes, that's a good one. I remember that. And I said, but remember this. God wants to help you. What you've been looking for, you've been looking at all the wrong places with all the wrong people and all the wrong situations. And if you begin to turn your heart towards God, he will lead you in the right place, the right people, and the right circumstances, and you will get your life right with him. And I left her at that. And I closed my tailgate and took off and went straight home. <laughs> that's the truth. But she, I remember what she said. She goes, she goes, you know, when I told her, she goes, I remember she goes, I can respect that, that you're a happily married man. Amen. Men, don't go pick up women. You can put them in your back of your truck. My, wife, my pastor, he confessed he went and picked up women. No, no, I didn't. I just felt that confession coming on. In case y'all saw me yesterday, just... <laughs> James is telling us how to have, see, I'm going back to preaching, to have the attitude of giving life, but then we have the right actions to get, have a giving life. There's four things that jump out to me. First, he talks about, the, about attitudes. Now he's talking about the actions. Here's, here's the action. Action number one, be patient. That's the theme of these verses. That be patient. Y'all made a confession. I tricked you a while ago. How many of you love to be patient? Oh, oh, oh. I hate going to doctors, and I've had to go to a lot of doctors the last four years, and I hate them. Not the doctors, but I hate the, I mean, we need you to fill out this paperwork. Uh, really? God has dealt with me so much about paperwork and my attitude. I mean, I literally feel like, well, I was here last week, and I feel, can you look it up? She goes, yeah, I look it up, but you're going to have to fill it out. I mean, literally, God's like, I don't want to fill out this stupid paperwork. Some of these words I can't even spell. How many are you talking about? All right. In the light of all that God has given us, he says, be patient. Be patient with others. Who, isn't that hard sometimes? Be patient with yourself. How many of you have ever argued at yourself? How many of you have ever fussed at yourself? Anybody? You ever talk to yourself? Okay, stupid. (laughs) Or you do something dumb, you go, see, dummy? Be careful. careful. Just say, you need to start speaking. Come on, child of God. Come on, man of God. Be patient with God's timing. His promises. 
His plans. Be patient. I was doing a thing, a class I was taking, and, and they blindfold you, okay? And you got to let someone lead you. Well, I did it first. I led someone, and I blindfolded them, and I had to give them instructions how to do, go places, how to step, and, you know, and I tell them about face. And all. So it was their turn, and they kind of used some of my method. And I brought them to a place where he, he had to put his hand on the, po- on the corner of his gate, and right there there were some pigs that he has. And, and so he blindfolds me, and I go, and he's telling me where to go. And then I, he tells me to put, he takes me right back where I took it. And I go, and, and in my mind's eye, I'm going on the pigs right there. And he goes, no, the, the pigs aren't there. They're way off in the distance, but they're coming. And see, it, made, it was a lesson. First of all, his hand was on me the whole time, right here on my shoulder. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me, I'm always with you, Baba. My hand is on your life. You know what? God's hand's on your life. But sometimes we get to a place because we think we know what's there and it's not really there. It surprises us. And sometimes God, how many of you, God has given you a promise or spoken to you about something in your life before and it didn't didn't seem like it was like it was supposed to be? And you had to wait longer than you wanted to wait? But in the midst of it, God's working out your faith. God's doing things in your life. Amen? Amen? And so for many of us, I want you not to be discouraged because God is true to his word. God's word is yes and amen. It doesn't always, it's not in your timing because guess what? He's God and he's in charge and you aren't. So quit acting like large and in charge. And so the important important thing is that God's timing, God's promises, his plans, be patient. The second action that you need to do is perseverance. Talks about it several times here. If you are going to have a good attitude, have the right perspective. On accumulation and giving. We're going to have to preserve, stay the course, stay committed. The third, be consistent. I love the consistency of our church by giving, reaching out, starting new works. And we're not leaving. Our campus in Eunice, we started it. We're not leaving. We're we're there. Crowley, we're there. We're coming. We're coming! And it's kind of like when your daddy calls you. See, Father God's looking for people in this whole region, and he's calling them by name. You remember that when you were a kid? My dad had a certain whistle. I can't do it, but he would do that. And, you, and he would call my name. My real name's Howard. He'd go, Howard! And it was always my brother. Howard! It wasn't, my name was never Howard. It was Howard! 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 Because we were, we were like two and one, all right? But I knew that whistle, and I knew. My dad had four rules on the back of his door. You always call before you go somewhere else. You let me know where you're going. Check in. And if you don't know where you're, if, if I'm not around, because that was before cell phones, right? He had a chalkboard in his garage. Write down where you were on your chalkboard if you can't get in touch with me on the phone. Okay? He had four basic rules, and the other one I'm not telling you. Anyway, because I forgot. Anyway, but I remember when we would get a spanking, he just closed the door, and he'd go, all right, which rules? He looked at the four. You broke this one. He was a coach, too, and a principal. So everything was systematic. You know what I'm talking about? So he applied 
the Board of Education to the seat of higher learning, if you get that. But he was consistent. My dad was consistent with that. And for us as Christians, we need to be consistent. And I'm not talking about a bottle rocket compassion where you go, oh, we're just going to help them and boom, and go on. Why do we do outreaches? Why do we do block parties? Why do we do? Because we want people to know that we're here, that we love them, we care for them, and we want to be the hands and the feet and the mouth and the eyes of Jesus to people. Be consistent. You know, we're, we're, we're here. When you go through the ups and the downs, we, wanna, we want you to know, and your tragedies and the good times, we're here to help families. We're here in crisis. We want to be there. We want to be consistent about giving. We want to be consistent about serving. We want to be consistent about just caring for people. Be consistent about your next action. Be consistent. And the last one, show compassion. I believe a consistent compassion can transform this community. Let just people see compassion. You can change a city. You can change a region. You can change a neighborhood. You can reach them for Jesus Christ. Just being, just with compassion. That's what I love about my wife. She's got compassion for things. She's kind of, like if she sees something, you know, you know she's just going to go do it and stick to it. That's what I love about her. She gives me perspective. It lets me see things that I normally don't see. Because she's my helpmate. Because I'm blind sometimes. Hello. We're talking about the consistent compassion, the kind that reaches people and builds their lives. Reaching out to help people. Helping people fight addictions. People struggling in their marriage, in their job, or their life, or their kids. Compassion equals putting our stuff in circulation for Jesus with no strings attached. Kind of like a quote from Mother Teresa. And I love this one. She says, I alone, I alone cannot change the world. But I can cast the stone across the waters to create many ripples. You know, when I think about it, it's the attitude it's, your attitude is going to give life. You should transform through your actions. We don't just talk about it. We don't just preach about it. We take the attitude of, hey, let, let's give and sharing. It's, it's, let's just help people. I'm here today because there was people that reached out on, in the, on the strip on McKinley Street in Lafayette when I was not saved. That was one of the things. My grandmother was praying for me, and, and they had a coalition of women that were praying for me. They would call my name out. They were, they were contending. They were contending against heaven and hell. Are you hearing me? And calling my name up. And my grandmother, hell is not his. Heaven is going to be his home. I'm here because someone fought for me. Someone prayed. Someone believed. Someone didn't give up. 
I can remember being on the strip, going partying and stuff, and I'd see people in Pastor Jacob's youth group going around trying to share with people about the Lord. I'm here because people took a chance. They never got to me because I saw them and I ran. Because I knew my grandmother had given them my picture. I just knew it, okay? And so we need to take... We need to take a stone of compassion and cast it into the ocean of humanity and cause ripples to happen. Are y'all with me? You never know what your giving, serving, and your compassion is going to do in someone else's life. Some of you probably have been wondering, what, what does Pastor Bubba have with this? Well, I don't know if you've seen the new Coke bottles. These don't have it, but they've been putting people's names on the new Coke bottles. Love, it says, like, love your family. Love you. Carlos. That's, you don't, Carlos. It's Carlos. Love you. You know? And when I think about this, I think about one of my friends. <laughs> and him and his wife decided one night, one day, there's a very busy, busy four-corner street. And what they decided to do, let's get some Cokes and put them in an ice chest. And let's just go and give them out for free. And we just tell people, hey, man, hey, we just want to give you a free Coke. And we want to let, let you know that God loves you. And then people would, like, try to give them money. He goes, no, 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 it's a free gift from God. He loves you. And some people, you know, you drive, it don't matter what you give them. They roll up their window and they're going, 911? <laughs> but he said they've been giving out Cokes all day. And they're coming at the end of the time when they're giving out Cokes. Anybody thirsty around here? Anybody thirsty? Here you go. Here you go. Catch. Okay. Anybody? Everybody else thirsty? Here you go. Here you go. Anybody else thirsty? I'm giving. You have to come get. Here, Miss Jen. Pass it back there. Okay. All right. One more. That's it. I got one more. I got to keep one for the example. Here you go. And so. What happens is, next time I bring a case, y'all thirsty. And ice, that's right, thank you. And at the end of the day, he clean, he's cleaning out the ice chest, and this one lady comes and goes, Hey, hey, who's been there doing that Coke thing? And he's like, Me? And she goes, Why? She goes, I'm from Macomb, Mississippi. And she goes, you know, every Friday night, we go out and we do outreach in Macomb, Mississippi. She said, I go to the Walmart, I get my bullhorn, and I get up there and I say, all you kids, listen to me. Y'all going to hell unless y'all give your life to Jesus. She said, then they go to the Sonic, and I run them down to the Sonic and pull out the bullhorn. Hey, y'all better give your life to Jesus. He said, after that, they scatter and I can't find them in the rest of the night. I wonder why. <laughs> and she, see, she comes up, she goes, hey, you mind if we use your outreach strategy? <laughs> and he goes, go for it. <laughs> that Friday night, she puts her blowhorn down and starts giving Cokes to all these kids. Tell him Jesus loves you. He has a gift. He loves you. He cares for you. And we just want you to know that this Coke represents 
God loves you, and he's given a free gift, his son, to love you. See, that Sunday morning, a lady and her two daughters came to church. They gave their lives to Jesus because they said, I don't know who she was, but someone came in the parking lot and gave us a free Coke and said, God loves you. And he said, we never get nothing free in our whole lives. They gave their life to Jesus. That night, they brought their daddy. This is a true story. Brought the daddy, came to a Sunday night service. And he said, you know what? I saw what happened to my wife and my daughters. And it's because of that Coke that lady gave in the parking lot. He goes, I want to give my life to Jesus because nothing's ever, nobody's ever given us nothing for free. And I want to know God because whatever God did in him, I want him to do in me. That night he bowed his knee and gave his life to Jesus. Three days later, wait, wait, I'm not done. Three days later, the guy died. They go to his funeral. In the casket, it's filled with Coca-Cola bottles. This is not, I'm, I'm not done. They get up. The lady gets up that just gave her life to the wife of the husband. She goes, I just want to let everybody know thank y'all for coming. But three days ago, some, some people in our parking lot gave us some Coca-Colas. That's why they got all them Cokes. And if my husband, if they wouldn't have given a Coca-Cola, my, my husband wouldn't be seeing Jesus. He's in heaven with Jesus right now. God doesn't care what kind of compassion you use. If you see me at the Walmart passing out Cokes, or guess what? Maybe you ought to go to Walmart. Quit waiting for your pastor. You know what? There's things that you can do for the kingdom of God to show people compassion, that they're loved, they're cared for. You serve, See, your, your ripple can, can, can change eternity in someone's life. You just cast that stone out and let God make the ripples and what he wants to do in people's lives. And the cool thing is you can, you can serve in Jesus' name. You can sweat for Jesus. You can go and give effort for Jesus. But in the return, God can do great things. Look at me and I'm going I'm I'm, I'm to shut up because I know God's already been speaking. Give me five. All right. So people that aren't here, sometimes I'll go, hey, who give me five? And they'll go five, 10, 15, 20. I got all that time left. I don't have, I don't need that much time this morning. Because the Holy Spirit's here. He's speaking to you. He's doing something inside of you. He's confirming things in your heart that you need to do that he's been asking you to do. It's kind of like God's drawn the line and you've been stepping behind the line. It's well, God, I'll get to right there. I just don't know if I can ever cross over. God's just saying, come on. Just come on. Cross over. Have a little courage. See, I'm here to encourage you. What does that mean? I'm trying to pour courage into you. But see, God says this. He says, we're like the cup, but he's the living water. He's like a pitcher of the living water. And he's coming into your life, and he's goes. And some of you go, God, I want all you have. All, and all of a sudden, you know what? God doesn't stop pouring. He just starts to 
fill that cup and it starts overflowing. And when you overflow with God, you affect everyone around you. And sometimes it's not by what you say, it's by how the attitude that you have and by the actions in which you live your life by. See, I know this. There are people here this morning because it was somebody that came and did some kind of love, an action of love, a demonstration of love toward you. You know, I have my son that's in jail right now. And I was with my spiritual grandfather and he called me. I was sitting at a table with a bunch of preachers and he just said, and I'm talking to him. I mean, God's doing great things in Nathan's heart. Just to let y'all know. And uh, you've been praying, and God, God's doing some incredible things. I want to let you know. We, Tracy and I went and talked to him this week, just when we preached, talked to him. There's a guy next to him, young African-American kid and next to him, and he's reading the, Nathan's Bible of all things. And when we're coming down the end to pray for Nathan, I look at him and say, hey, buddy, come here. And I just looked at him, and I started speaking into his life, literally prophesying to him. And I said, God wants to be the father you've always dreamed of having. And let me tell you something. Them crocodile tears just went boom. Just going to pray for you, buddy. I just began. His name was Darius. I said, Lord, I just pray. Just pray for Darius. But I'm here today. I don't know where I was. I'm just. But, but I remember Brother Keith said this. I said, he said, he get on the phone with Nathan. He goes, Nathan, hey, buddy. He knows my son been praying for you he said what does God want to do in your life he says well God's got a call on my life I have a call of God on my life and I love what brother Keith said he told him he says son your call is greater than your fall he said when Adam he said say it with me Nathan say it say it. my call and Nathan is greater than my fall who came to Adam When Adam fell and called him by name, God, listen to me. Some of you may have fallen. Some of you feel like you like that lady. I'm falling. I can't get up. But God's here. He knows. Listen, the enemies come to condemn you. The Bible says that God does not not give a spirit of condemnation. God gives a spirit of freedom and the power to overcome. I don't know your circumstance. I don't know what people have said about you. I don't know where you're going. I don't know, but I know this. You're here this morning, and you came because you want to hear a word from God, and you want God to meet you. We're not here to play church. We're here to be the church. And so this is what I my, my encouragement to every one of you. I just want you to close your eyes. Just close your eyes. And I want you to talk to Jesus. Say this with me. Just talk to God. Just say, Jesus, what is it that's keeping me back from giving you all of my life? What is it? Just ask him right now. Ask, what is it, God? Then I want you to ask God this. If you take this from me, what do you want to give me? speak to you. Let him speak to you. He's speaking to many of you right now. He's speaking to you. 
God loved you so much that he sent his son, his only son. He sent his son to be a missionary to reach this world. He loves you enough. He loves you. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never heard anybody say to you, and you've longed for that, man, I just wish someone would say, I love you. I'm here to tell you this morning, Jesus is speaking right now, and he just wants me to tell you that he loves you. He loves you so much that he wants to take that thing that's been holding you back, and he wants to replace it with something greater. I prayed that prayer not too long ago, and the Lord, I said, God, take away What is it that you want to take away from me? And God spoke to me. He said, Bob, I want to take that fear you have. The fear of the unknown. I want to take it away. I said, God, what do you want to place it with? What do do you want to replace that with? And he said, Baba, I want to replace it with strength. With my strength in your life. The Bible says not, not to lean on your own strength, but to lean on the Lord. He's a refuge. You can run to him. He's a strong tower in your weakness. He can come and you can run to him and he helps strengthen you. God loves you. Look at me. Look at me. How many of you said, Pastor Bubba, God spoke to me? Some of you going, I'm still waiting for God. That's okay. Keep asking. The Bible says, you have not because you what? You didn't ask. I've had my children sometimes, they were, they're crying and they've had something happen and they go, why? Why are you so upset? Well, I really wanted so-and-so, whatever it was. And I said, why didn't you ask me? I was afraid. Because you would say no. How many of you have ever had that one? Listen, God's not like your earthly father. He will give you what you need, not what you want all the time. There's a difference. Wants and needs, that's a whole other message. Look at me. And I'm going to let you go. Just a minute. Look at me. God loves you. I love you. I love being the pastor of this church. I love you guys. I love coming and, and ministering. I love coming and encouraging you and challenging you and calling you up and calling you out. Because God loves you enough that he didn't want you to sit on your blessed assurance and say, everything's fine. When really it's not. Because, see, I know this. Some of you, you can look nice and look peaceful, but when you walk out the doors, all hell's fixing to break loose in your family. At your job, in your circumstances, and your finances. I don't know, but God does. God knows. Stand to your feet. just want to pray. Maybe there's some of you this morning, you say, Pastor Bob, I just need, I need somebody to pray for me, man. I just... I've been discouraged. I've been down. I just need, I need people just to pray. And you know what we'll do? If you come down here this morning, if you just need prayer, whatever it is, maybe in the decision you need to make, you're just confused. The Bible says God's not the author of confusion. If you just need someone to pray for you physically because you got some news and you're having to go through some medical issues, I know what that's like. You just need people to pray with you, encourage you. Maybe there's addictions that you have, and you just need to just share with some people and say, man, could you just pray? Some of you need anchors in your life, so when the winds of adversity come, you have anchors of prayer, people that pray for you, you so you won't get blown away. 
Whatever it is, they're gonna, I'm going to ask the band to sing again. Maybe you're at a decision. You want to go back to school, and it's a new school year, and you go, God, I want to stand for you. I want to represent you. I need strength. I need wisdom. If that's you, you can come. So let's sing. Go ahead, Matt. Sing. Father, just lift your hands. And if you need Father, right now, I just thank you for everyone here. I'm not here to try to bring confusion. I know the enemy will try to bring confusion. But Lord, I thank you that there's seeds that you're planting in people's hearts and their minds. Some this morning just need to step out in faith to trust you for their circumstances. They just need the saints of God to gather around them to pray. Come on, saints. If you need prayer, just come on up right now. They just need the saints of God to pray for them, to encourage them, to help them to believe in their circumstances and their situations, that they wouldn't allow those to dictate what they will become and what you want to do in their lives. I know there's others. Maybe you need just a miracle in your body and you, whatever it is, just come right now. God wants to bring a miracle in your life. Maybe you're at a point in your own life and you go, Pastor Bubba, I don't know, I don't know Jesus like I should, but I want to know him. 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 Don't allow the condemnation of this world or your past to dictate what God wants to do for your future. Maybe you need to come and stand for a child, a husband, whatever it may be. Can I get the saints of God to gather around these right now? Just gather around them. Gather around them. Gather around them. Gather around them, gather around them and say, and just ask him, how can I pray for you? Why are you here? How can I pray for you? We're here. This is compassion. This is compassion in action. This is the, we don't, we're not here to hold down people. We're here to lift them up because we've all been in that circumstance in our own lives. At times we just need the Lord. We just need him.